0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. On Friday morning, I received an email from J.C. JCPenney. The subject line said, TGIF doorbusters, up to $20 off and more. I was kind of annoyed. It was Good Friday, for heaven's sake, the most poignant, sombre, meaningful day of the year, a day not to be thinking about shopping and getting things for cheap. But I did thank God it was Friday, not for the discounts on dresses, shirts, jewellery, handbags, bath towels, and bras that J.C. Penney had so kindly sent me, nor for how cheap the day could be, but rather for just how much it cost God on that first good Friday so that we can be here this morning with hope and expectation and joy. I thanked God for the opportunity to live life fully alive, to have hope for the future and joy in the present. I did wonder whether J.C. Penny would send me another email this morning. Thankfully, they didn't. But I rather wanted to send them one. Instead of a subject line saying TGIF doorbusters," mine was going to say TGIE grave busters. Thank God it's Easter. And thank God for the tomb with its busted open doors. You know, this week I've been thinking about that busted open tomb door, that great stone That was rolled away from the tomb. You know, for a long time, I used to think that the angels rolled back the stone to let Jesus out. But it's not that way at all. The stone was rolled away to let the women see in. Jesus, in his resurrected body, was not bound by stones or doors or walls. Well, this morning, in the next few minutes, I would like to ask you to ask God to roll back whatever it may be that prevents you from seeing what this day is all about. Now, of course, there are plenty of things that can stop you from encountering the risen Jesus today. Some of you may have doubts about whether all this is really true in the first place. Others may kind of believe it, but wonder what difference it really makes. And perhaps there are some here today who are so distracted by grief or pain or loss that you're here only because you're doing your duty. You're here maybe to please a family member It's Easter, and, well, you feel as if you ought to be in church, and so here you are. Well, let me start by addressing those who may be feeling overwhelmed this morning. For in a way, that was how it was on the very first Easter morning. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to the tomb, at least in part, out of duty. We know from the other gospel writers that they had gone there to anoint Jesus' body. It's hard to imagine how they must have felt as they went to that garden. Just a week before, they'd seen Jesus enter into Jerusalem, surrounded by cheering crowds, waving palm branches, and shouting Hosanna. And yet, by the end of that week, Jesus had been whipped, mocked, spat on, and finally subjected to that most brutal of tortures crucifixion. They had watched him die. The day following, I think they went into autopilot. It was the Sabbath, so they stopped. They didn't go to the tomb that day. They waited till the Sabbath was over. They waited for the first work day, the first day of the week. They must have been so Downhearted, dispirited, grief-stricken, exhausted, filled with doubts and questions, and then the most unexpected, unimaginable scene unfolds. Would you look again? Turn to the Bible, if you will, page 811, Matthew 28. After the Sabbath... As the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly, there was a great earthquake. For an angel of the Lord, descending from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. What an extraordinary scene. That huge stone that the women must have been worried about what on earth were they going to do was rolled aside for them by an angel, no less, who was now sitting on top of it. And what of the guards? You know, at the end of the previous chapter, um, Matthew tells us that so worried were the chief priests and the Pharisees about any possible false claims about Jesus rising from the dead that they'd gone to Pilate, the governor, and asked for a guard to make the tomb secure. The tomb was even sealed, most likely with a, with a cord that it would have gone from one side of the tomb across the stone to the other, and then it would have been sealed with special sealing clay and stamped with the Roman mark. The word used as a noun for earthquake is the same word used as a verb to describe the manquake that afflicted the guards. Verse 4, for fear of him, that's the angel, the guard shook and became like dead men. Do you know, when I read this account, I don't know whether to laugh or cry or fall down on my knees. I think all three are probably appropriate responses. But doesn't it bring a smile to your face when you think of that angel sitting on the stone and the pathetic little broken seals on the grave of Jesus? Ancient Rome, that great superpower, was utterly impotent in the face of the power of God and the resurrection of Jesus. And every power before and since is equally ineffective when it comes to the ultimate questions of life and death or salvation from sin. The man who was supposed to be dead inside the tomb was alive and the men who are alive outside the tomb become like dead men talk about a reversal now of course i don't suppose anyone was laughing as it happened it was all too terrifying verse five the angel said to the women do not be afraid by the way that's what angels usually say uh because they're very frightening um (laughs) The angel says, I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. And so they are invited to take a look inside and see for themselves that the tomb is empty. I love that invitation. The angels don't say, don't ask any questions. He says, come and see. Come and take a look. Do you remember that's what Jesus said to the very first curious disciples who were wondering who he was at the start of his ministry? Come and see. And it's the invitation that he gives to us to explore who he is. Last week, I had a very interesting conversation with an extremely bright young man who described himself to me as an agnostic. We had a wide-ranging conversation for more than an hour, covering topics that included creation, evolution, prayer, fundamentalism, doubt, and all kinds besides. It was all I could do to keep up with this guy intellectually. But towards the end of our conversation, we spoke about Jesus. My friend accepted the historical figure and that this man was crucified on a cross. But what then? I asked him. What happened next? Was Jesus resurrected or not? If he was, then this was a game changer. This was a life changer. This was an event so outside of the way we understand the nature of things to be that we have to pay attention Of course, if Jesus was not resurrected, then as I told my young friend, clearly I'm wasting my life by being a priest. Well, our conversation had to end, but it ended with my friend wanting to continue his searching. And he emailed me later this week asking if I could recommend uh, some books for him to read. That's a good place to be, I might add. But at some point, the question of what happened to Jesus is one that should not be avoided. Now, I will concede to you that I cannot prove to you beyond any shadow of a doubt that Jesus rose from the dead by mere rhetoric. I can't produce some DNA evidence that categorically proves this. However, there is plenty of evidence. But just like a trial in a court of law where there may be a lot of evidence that an attorney can present to a jury, at the end of the day, it is up to the jury whether it accepts and believes that evidence or not. It's a matter for you, the judge will say to the jury. Not the professionals, it's a matter for you, members of the jury. Now, of course, in an absolute sense, the truth is the truth, regardless of what any jury may say. But when it comes to pronouncing a verdict, that's up to the jury. And when it comes to the resurrection, what is your verdict? To the doubters... I would say to you as a former trial lawyer and as a priest that the evidence for the resurrection is reliable, extensive, and very, very compelling. But don't take my word for it. Check it out for yourselves. I'll be happy to recommend the books to you that I recommended to my young friend. Talk to me afterwards. But maybe you're like another man I spoke to this past week concerning matters of faith. This man was an older person in deteriorating health. He used to go to church as a boy, but has not bothered with it since. We began to talk about God, and soon the conversation came around to Jesus, and more particularly to Easter and the resurrection. I asked him if he believed that Jesus had been raised from the dead. And his response, I have to say, given everything else we'd said rather surprised me. He said, yes, I believe that. But it doesn't make any difference to me. Well, thankfully, he and I agreed that we would continue our conversation next week. But I think there are probably a lot of people who may vaguely believe that Jesus um, existed. They may believe that he, maybe they even believe he rose from the dead. but, But who nevertheless say, well, so what? What difference does it really make to me? What difference does it make now? I think it makes every difference, not least because of the words of the angel to Mary and Mary. He has been raised. These words, and it's just one word in the Greek, these words are at the very heart of the Christian faith. Without the resurrection, Jesus is at best Some ancient Jewish rabbi who was a reasonably competent moral teacher. A a very temporary savior, I guess, for Barabbas, perhaps, but certainly not the savior of the world. A dead hero, maybe, in a long line of other heroes and martyrs before and since, but not the son of God. Someone who could empathize with pain and suffering, with injustice and hatred, but not someone who could do anything about it. Without the resurrection, the claims of Jesus fall down like a pack of cards. He claimed to be the son of God. He claimed to be able to forgive sins. He claimed that he would rise from the dead. He claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. But if he was executed and stayed dead, then he wasn't the way to anything. And he wasn't truthful And he certainly wasn't living. The resurrection matters. Because if true, if true, then everything is changed. It means that God has been faithful to his promises. And that we can rely on him no matter what. It means that death does not hold the trump card over our lives. It means that life has purpose, a goal and that Jesus Christ holds the keys of death and health and opens the door to everlasting life. If Jesus has been raised, then a new world dawned that morning. What difference does Easter make today? It makes every difference. The power that brought Jesus back from the dead is the same power that is available to all who believe and trust in Jesus. It is the power that breaks the hold of sin and selfishness in our lives. It's the power that frees us from addictions and guilt. It's the power that heals the deepest hurts. You know... One of the great privileges of my job is that I get to hear different folks tell of God's power at work in their lives. Indeed, just this past week, as various ones have come during Holy Week to make their confessions through the rite of reconciliation, I have been honored and humbled to hear the stories of those who came. And to have the great privilege of declaring Christ's forgiveness through Christ. But in those stories, I heard not only the confession of, of the sins of, of pride, of selfishness, of self-righteousness and greed, to name a few. But also the stories of how God is making all things new. Of how there is resurrection hope even in the midst of great suffering or sickness or loss and disappointment. Maybe you're visiting us today and you've not experienced anything like this resurrection hope that I'm talking about. Well, if you can, uh, why don't you come back next week or join a small group here. Hang out with us for a while and check us out. Check out... Whether these extraordinary, extraordinary claims about resurrection and a God who makes all things new, check that out, whether it stands up to your scrutiny. See if it really makes a difference. Check it out from the people that come here. And by the way, I suspect that invitation is a lot more challenging to those who are here every week than for those, and who do believe, than those who aren't quite so sure. Why? Well... Will your friends see any difference in you? I say that not to put you on a guilt trip or to, or to make you try and hard to be, harder to be good. It's just that we swim in this culture that pays mere lip service to Easter or regards it as a rather strange Christian festival, devoid of any real meaning, devoid of any reality. So rather than remembering why we thank God it's Good Friday, why we are to thank God it's Easter, we are told instead to be thankful for shopping discounts. And the huge retail machine kind of rumbles on and rebrands Easter as a season of pretty dresses and springtime bargains and chocolate. It's extraordinary. Okay, well... So far, I've tried to say something to those who may have doubts. To you, I would say, come and see. Look at the evidence for yourself. I've, I've tried to say something to those who say, so what? Namely, that the whole Christian faith stands or falls on whether this is all true. And if true, it affects your whole life, no matter what your circumstances. But I want to end this morning... By saying something to those here who do believe and who do know that this matters. I want you to catch a fresh glimpse of this Jesus whom we have gathered to worship. May we worship him as those first disciples did. And may a fresh encounter with the risen Jesus motivate us to share our Easter faith with someone this coming week. After the angel told Mary and Mary not to be afraid and gave them their task to go quickly and tell the disciples, we read in verse 8, So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. Fear and great joy. You may say, isn't that a bit of a contradiction? How can you be fearful and joyful at the same time? Well, I can think of lots of ways. Uh, Just ask anyone who's getting married, or having a baby, or starting a new job. Fear and joy often go hand in hand. When you come face to face with the awesome power of the living God. How can you not know fear? And when you come. Face to face. With the living God. Who loves you. Enough to die for you. How can you not experience. Unspeakable joy. The women. Grab on to Jesus feet. And they worship him. I love Matthew's account. It's so Vivid and kind of down to earth. Jesus doesn't say, please stand back. I am risen from the dead. <laughs> Actually, his greeting to them was a very ordinary, hi there. Or, or as my kids say these days, hey. <laughs> hey. Eugene Peterson draws out two distinct aspects of this encounter Reverence and intimacy. Peterson writes, Falling to our knees before Jesus, an act of reverence, is not in itself resurrection worship. Touching and holding the feet of Jesus, an act of intimacy, is not in itself resurrection worship. The acts of reverence and intimacy need each other. The reverence needs the infusion of intimacy lest it become a cool and detached aesthetic. The intimacy needs to be suffused in reverence lest it become a gushy emotion. These women knew what they were doing. They were dealing with God In the living presence of Jesus. And so they worshipped. But the story is not quite finished. Nearly. For in their fear and joy. These women. Are commissioned. Ordained. Commanded. Use whatever word you like. By Jesus. To go and tell the other disciples. They must have not known. That they weren't meant to do that type of thing. Oh well. Verse 10, then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. The good news of Easter is for sharing. If you don't know this Jesus, look for him. Ask God to roll back whatever it is that prevents you from seeing and you will find him. If you've heard it all before and wonder if it really makes any difference, then hear this. God is making all things new. And the resurrection is the one event of all history that reaches from the past into the present and offers hope for the future. Come today, like the women at the tomb. Come in fear and with joy and see afresh what God has done. And if you have known and loved Jesus for a long time, then today, kneel again before him, reverently and intimately, and worship the risen, conquering Lord Jesus. Hallelujah! Christ is risen.